Nice to see you all this morning. Uh, just want to introduce briefly uh, our sharing slot. So hopefully we're all in the rhythm uh, by now. We're doing these practices, everyday practices for ordinary people. That's the likes of you and me. And we're trying these practices uh, week by week. Um, and this little slot, I'm going to step down uh, in 30 seconds, uh, is for you to just come up and share your experience of doing that practice um, this week. Um, whether good or bad, anything you learnt, anything that was new, um, just please uh, come up and share. The two mics are there. And our prayer practice, we're still on prayer practices, they will become other things. Um, last week, the prayer was from 1 Samuel 3. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Uh, we gave a prayer practice, but I hope we were clear to say there could be w lots of different ways you pray that prayer. But the, the one we gave you was a listening prayer. Uh, in silence. So um, we'd love uh, anyone who would like to share their experience to, to come on up and do so. Good morning. Um, during the week, as I um, went into the living room in the morning to find some peace while Kieran was having his breakfast, um, so I was sitting with my cup of coffee and uh, trying to uh, listen to the Lord and then saying, um, please speak to me, Lord, for I'm listening. Um, my eyes were drawn to the painting that uh, we have in the living room. Usually I don't pay much attention, but... Um, this th that day I was paying attention and I was looking at the painting and I really noticed the two lighthouses that I could see, the Bailey Lighthouse and the Pullback Lighthouse, and I was just reminded um, that our God is there to guide us, but um, we also need to um, make the space and the time to, to seek him um, on a daily basis. getting a bit fed up this week with the Speak Lord Servant is listening because I was hearing nothing. So I said, God, that's it. I'm fed up with this. It's not working out this week. I'll try again next week. And then I decided I'd read one of these word for today things. And it was about where David had beaten the army and was deciding whether to attack again and sought of the Lord and waited for the answer. So maybe automatic answers might be uh, something we need a bit more patience for. I said uh, willingly, but perhaps not expecting to be here last Sunday. Um, I've shared this with some of you already, but as I sat there, I heard, you are the light of the world. And it just kept, you are the light of the world. 
I don't know if you have the Bible app on your phone, but there's a daily verse. It was the daily verse last Sunday, Matthew 5, verse 14, which says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify not you, but your Father in heaven. And when Peter asked, I mentioned this morning about listening with your eyes, I was looking at the bird, but I didn't see the bird primarily. I saw those metal fixings for the basketball hoop. And if you look at the top of them, what does it look like? It looks like a cross. Thank you all for sharing. It's so good to listen to one another. Um, and I'm going to use again Helen's phrase from last week when she, she called us as a church, a community of practice. Um, I think that's really powerful that we're a community who are practicing together what it means to follow Jesus. And as part of that, we, ha we learn from one another. Um, and I think we've done that again today. So thank you. Just before we turn to our main passage for today, I just want to give a little recap on where we've come from in this series. Um, so the title, as you see, is Devoted to the Way, and it's these everyday practices for ordinary people that we're trying to do. The picture that we've used is crossing a stream. So you're out for a, a walk somewhere in the great outdoors, uh, maybe the Phoenix Park, wherever it might be, and you come to a stream. And the stream just seems a little bit big for you to jump across. There's a danger you might slip in from the other side or something. You might, mightn't quite get there. And sometimes when it comes to blessing other people, looking outwards, doing mission, we sort of feel that. It feels like too big a jump, uh, and we're not sure we're going to be able to do it. And one way, if you're trying to cross a stream, is to use these stepping stones. Uh, and that's what these practices are. They're stepping stones. They're breaking it down to small little steps that we can do that hopefully are everyday, ordinary things and a bit more manageable. Um, so on the next slide, I'm just going to tell you briefly the three that we've done so far. They, we started with prayer practices and just to see how they fit together. Um, so the first is to pray for people. Okay, this is the who, if you like, of who we're going to bless, who we're going to love. Um, and we pray because it's God's mission. Uh, Cody used the phrase missio Dei. That's Latin for the mission of God. God, our God is on a mission. It's his. He does the work. So therefore, we pray. And our prayer for that was Matthew 6, your kingdom come. But the practice was to be a specific prayer. We're going to name three people because God wants to reach real, individual, specific people. So let's name them. The next prayer, um, two weeks ago, was prayer for ourselves or prayer for us. 
And I guess this is part of the how of mission, that, that God chooses to involve us, to use us. That's how he wants to go about his mission. So therefore, we pray for ourselves. Um, and our prayer here was from Acts 1 and Acts 4, to fill me up with your spirit. And the practice we picked there, I guess, was like a repetitive prayer. I, I called it a short set prayer. Literally just the six words, fill me up with your spirit, and just pray those throughout the day. It only takes, what, five seconds, um, washing the dishes, driving the car, whatever it is, pray it throughout the day. And then last week, we did prayer for guidance. And I guess this is sort of the, the what or the when that God's going to to lead us in specific things, what we might say, uh, when we might do something. And we pray for guidance because it's God's mission, and, and He involves us, and he, 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 he pushes us out there, but He doesn't just sort of say, take His hands away then and say, right, good luck now. Let me know when you're done. He, he's with us all the way, and He guides and directs us. So that was, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And as I said, there, there's lots of ways of praying that prayer, in silence or out walking or whatever it might be. So that's the three that we've done. Uh, and our, our desire really is to, to stick with these three. If we just stick with them for one week, we'll only get so far. But we love to just build these into our daily life. We are going to do uh, a session today, but we're amending one of these. We're not giving you a fourth, don't worry. We're just going to amend one. We'll stick at three. Um, so I'm gonna, we're going to turn to our scripture then today. Uh, Helen's going to come and read for us from Matthew's Gospel the end of Matthew chapter 9 and the start of Matthew 10. Thanks. Reading from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to, set, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Thank you, Helen. If you want, uh, there's paper Bibles on, on that chair over there uh, at the door. And a big thank you to Jess for doing a nice sign for that as well. So it uh, looks a little bit prettier than what we had before. Um, 
I just want to give a little bit of context to where we are in Matthew's gospel. We're, we're, we're nine chapters in, so what is going on? The key, a key verse here um, for Matthew overall is, is the one we started with, 935, because it outlines the mission of Jesus, what Jesus is doing, what he is about. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, number one, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, number two, and healing every disease and illness, number three, that he was teaching, he was proclaiming, and he was healing. And actually, that verse is repeated in chapter four, okay? At the end of chapter four and at the end of chapter nine, we have the exact same verse. So, they're like bookends, you know, on your, your bookshelf, if you have a nice bookshelf. They're these bookends which are sort of cordoning off a section. And so, they're marking off this section of the gospel, which is chapters five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And they serve as the first phase of Jesus' mission. So, five, six, and seven is the Sermon on the Mount. That's the most famous section, maybe, of Jesus' teaching, where you get love your enemies and all that. So that's the teaching and the proclaiming is happening there, five, six, and seven. And then chapters eight and nine are a lot of healing stories and exorcism stories sort of put together into one section. And that's the healing. So those three things he said he's doing, teaching, proclaiming, and healing, are all happening in these five chapters. And now it's finished. Nine verse 35. He's got his second bookend. So what Jesus, what Matthew's saying here when he is putting this together of what Jesus has done, he's like the first phase of what Jesus is about, of Jesus' mission, teaching, proclaiming, healing, it's done. So what happens next? Okay, phase one is done, what happens next? And Jesus sees the crowds coming. There's more to do. He sees these crowds coming. They're harassed and helpless. He's compassion on them. This lovely revelation of the heart of Jesus, of, of who he is, that he loves these people and he wants to, to minister to them. And then he turns to the disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful. I mean, look, can you see them? Can you see these crowds coming? The harvest is plentiful. We must minister to these people too. So phase two of his mission starts now. And that is to, to continue the mission, but to expand it, to make it bigger, to, 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 to reach further. Because these crowds are out there and they're coming. But Jesus gets them to pray. He says, pray that the Lord will send out more workers into the harvest fields. Pray for more workers. So the second phase of what Jesus is about starts here. Expand the mission. And the first thing to do for these disciples is to pray that more workers would come. 9 verse 38. Now, look at your Bibles. Take away the numbers. 10 verse 1, these chapter numbers that we've added in hundreds of years after the Bible was written. And the little section headings which aren't in the original either. And we'll see what the answer is to that prayer. Because chapter 9 runs straight into chapter 10. If you take away the numbers, it sees it even more clearly that the first thing they're asked to do in 9.38 is to pray that there'd be more workers. And then the next verse, they themselves are sent out. The disciples become the very own answer to their own prayer. They're the ones who become these workers. Pray that more workers would go out, and then they are sent out in the very next line. They answer 
their own prayer. They're sent out on mission themselves. There's something about that that, that, that I love. There's something intriguing about that, isn't it? There's something maybe annoying about that if, if you're one of those people there. It makes me think of one of those church meetings. You know, you know those church meetings where um, you're sort of there discussing a topic and we need to move on this or that, on children or on worship, whatever's going on, and you go in and, and, and some people are like, now don't make any ideas, don't suggest anything because you're going to get left doing that yourself if you make that suggestion. Okay, it's a good idea, but maybe write it down anonymously and then you won't get asked to look after it. Have you ever had that feeling going into a church meeting because we're all like volunteers here? I wonder what it was like for those disciples. Like how long was the time gap between 9.38 and 10 verse 1? Jesus says, go pray that there'll be more workers. Did Jesus call a prayer meeting? And they all sit down straight away and pray that very prayer. And then the end goes, Jesus goes, lads, it's you. Got the answer, it's you, off you go. You know, were the disciples afraid of praying at the prayer meeting in case they could see that coming? They're looking around thinking, well, there's only 12 of us here anyway. I don't know who's going to answer this prayer apart from us. How did it work? I reckon it was probably a little bit longer. He gave them this prayer to pray that more workers would come in, join in with the Son of God himself, the Messiah, the coming King they've waited for for hundreds of years, that these workers would come and join in with him, and together they would go and minister to these crowds. And as they sat with that prayer, it grew in them. As they sat with it, as they prayed it maybe day after day, Like in our sharing slot now, as they they shared with each other how that prayer was going, it grew in their hearts. Because prayer does something to us. Prayer changes us. I'm convinced that prayer changes us. It changes our hearts and our beings. It softens us. It grows our hearts. And it aligns who we are as people with the will of God. Because we're praying for God's things. We're praying your kingdom come. Your will be done. And as we pray that, our desires become more aligned with that. It's natural. Um, I've really enjoyed our sharing as we've done this the last few weeks. I know we've been had the sharing slot like this for a few years now with different um, Sunday series that we've been doing. But this one's slightly different because we're sharing practice, not just our own uh, ideas of, of, of the passage or of the talk, but the practice. Um, and we've been doing it in our connect group too. And so last connect group for me was, what, 10 days ago? And we were sharing about the first prayer practice, which was the one year kingdom come and named three people. And uh, people just shared how that gone for them. And it was, it was just really profound. But a number of people in particular just shared um, positively what that had done. And one person shared something which really just sat with me. They had been praying from that Sunday uh, for three people. And then I think it was about Thursday or Friday, they ended up meeting those three people for coffee. So for six days, five or six days, they've been praying for those people. And they said when they went for coffee with them and they sat down, it was different. That's the word. It was different. And, and she said that she felt different with those people. And I'm like, gosh, that's only five or six days of praying. And God has changed something. Isn't that profound? 
I think that's, that's, that's why we do these practices. Because we're living the Jesus way and we are changed as we do it. God changes us and prayer changes us. And I think that's part of what's going on here. That the disciples pray this prayer and they end up answering it themselves. If you look at Luke's version, it's way more dramatic. Um, it's in Luke 10. It's actually when he sends out the 72. And it, it says this, Luke 10, verse 2 and 3. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. Full stop. Go. It's like straight away. The link is so clear from prayer to action. And this link from prayer to action is the link that opens up the second phase of what Jesus is about. This is huge for us. I know some of you heard me say this before at prayer meetings and stuff because this hit me about 18 months ago or something. But I think this is big for us. So we've, we've talked about how those first disciples might have experienced this, having a, a prayer meeting with Jesus, whatever it might have been. But let's just pause and think how it would look like for the readers of this. The first readers that Matthew, is he's collecting up these stories of Jesus and putting them together. And when those early churches, those early communities start reading it, what do they see? Because for them, it takes on a different twist. You know, the disciples experienced it. But maybe when the disciples started praying that prayer, send out more workers, they didn't know that they would be the answer to that. But now when we look at this and we read this, we know. We know that 12 people are asked to pray for more workers, and then those 12 are sent out. So we see it. And that makes the prayer different for us now. Because the prayer takes on a more direct dimension for us, a more personal dimension. We see that in some ways this prayer to be sent out is a prayer for me to be sent out. Because that's what happened for these guys. It takes on a different dimension. And they are sent. I think that's one of the key words here. If we venture a little into chapter 10 that Alan read, we'll see that. In verse 1 it says they were called. He called his 12 disciples to them and he gave them authority. So this is all about God's mission, God's calling, Jesus' calling. Jesus gives them authority. Verse 5, it says Jesus, sorry, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. They're sent out. Jesus' mission. Jesus is sending them out. And then even in, in verse 2, when we get this list of the names of the 12, Matthew always in his gospel calls them the 12 disciples. Always. Apart from here. Here he calls them 12 apostles. Because the word apostle means sent. The 12 sent ones. Just as he sends them out for this first time. The focus here is on being sent. This is God's mission. But now he's expanded and he's sending these people out. But he's not just sending them. This is what really grabbed me uh, 12 or 18 months ago when I was reading this. He is not just sending them. The word in the Greek... And I know you're like, don't, don't give me any Greek phrases because I know you don't really know much Greek yourself. And we don't really want to know the Greek. But this is one of the times where it actually really says something important. The word is ekbalo. And it, it's, more, it's stronger than send out. It's drive out. Because that is the word that is used for driving out demons and exorcisms. And I just think that word gives us a sense of the power and the urgency and the importance of this prayer. 
Like if you, if you look at chapter 9, um, that prayer is 9 verse 38. That word is used just four verses before in 9 verse 34. He's having an argument with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are given out. They don't believe. And the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. It's the same word. And it's translated drive out up there. Just giving us this sense of the power and the urgency. It's, it's send out, but it's so much stronger than send out as well. It's drive out. Now, why is a word like that used? Or why, in general, do we have to pray this prayer, send me out? Why, why would we pray that prayer? Why would we need to? And it, it highlights to me that, it, it <laughs> that there's an issue of the will here, an issue of motivation. We're praying for people. We're praying that we'd be filled up, that, that, that God would work through us. We're praying for, for guidance. But as well as all that, there's, there's an issue of the will here. That's something at times holds us back. Do you ever feel hesitant? Maybe about blessing other people by, by, by stepping out and doing it in a new way or talking about your faith in some way. If you're unsure or hesitant, there's, you know, which I, I, I know I feel that at times. And that's an issue of motivation or the will, which is why we have to ask for God to even take that part of the package himself and send us out. I was talking to my personal trainer the other day. I was, I was wondering would anyone believe that I have a personal trainer? Um, I was actually talking to Connor Colvin. I was dropping him home on Monday night from Young Adults, and he's a personal trainer, and, you know, I asked him a few questions in the car. What would you recommend for a middle-aged man who's sort of past the mid-40s? Um, and he, he gave me a couple of thoughts, which is very helpful. But you think about personal training. Now, I don't have a personal trainer, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture some thoughts here in ignorance, right? But my sense when I think about a personal trainer, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of people here going to correct me, right? Now, obviously, part of what they'll pass on is, is their knowledge, okay? These are the exercises you should do. They, they have a sense of your physique, your age, whatever, and they say, these are the type of things that would be good for you, or what are you trying to train for? Uh, and they'll show you how to use various machines and exercises. But I also sense there's a motivation issue here when you get a personal trainer. Because you're, you're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to meet you three times a week, and you're paying for it. And so you have to turn up. And they speak to you through it, and they, they talk you through to make sure you finish the session. Whereas if you went to the gym by yourself, you might give up after five minutes. Or if you had a, a spare hour on a, on a Tuesday afternoon, um, you'd sort of think, well... I could just watch Netflix and the gym sort of seems slightly less attractive, but you have it in the diary and you've arranged to meet Connor at half past two and you've already paid him, so you might as well go. I think, from my position of ignorance, that there is an element of nearly paying money to have you solve that issue of the will and motivation, as well as getting the knowledge. And I think this prayer is a little bit like that. We're praying for God that even, even my desire to do this isn't there. Can I just give that to you as well? Will you just send me out? Will you change me? Will you give me a desire to do this? Because I was thinking, I came in uh, this morning and I was 
I normally go down the back to that little bit which, which looks out onto the playground where they store all the lost clothes uh, to pray and to think about what I'm going to say. And I came in and I thought, I don't know where I'm going to finish today. And I wanted to go and pray about that. But then Lisa nabbed me. I was just chatting with Lisa for ages, so I, I didn't get to do that. And my thought was, do I finish on challenge or on grace? On challenge or grace? The challenge is, we need to pray this. Because I think most of us have an issue of the will and motivation. And we say, send me out. Drive me out. Will you push me out? But actually, I think it's the same thing. I think that challenge is actually grace. Because what it's doing is it's saying to God, I need you to do this for me. Just like I need you to speak to me and lead me, just like, like I need you to work in the lives of those three people, I need you to just make me be the person you want me to be. My personality, my gifts, not someone else, but as me, would you send me out? Would you drive me out? And so that's our prayer for this coming week. I said we're not giving you a fresh prayer. So when on the next slide, when you see the prayer, it's just changing that repetitive prayer or set prayer that we did two weeks ago. Fill me up and send me out. We've already prayed the fill me up, and it's just adding and changing that phrase. So we're going to leave that with you for, for this week to come. It will go out in the email as well. And it's a set prayer. You can pray it any way you want, okay? But I'm giving it to you as a set prayer. Just those seven words, just repeat them throughout the day. And we're going to start now. We're just going to take one or two minutes of silence. And I just close your eyes and sit with those seven words. Loving Father God, our prayer this morning is this. Fill us up and send us out. Amen. Amen. Thank you.